0: Welcome to the Crack House Chronicles, your favorite true crime podcast. I am Donnie, and with me is a man who went to his first gender reveal party last weekend and was immediately told to put his clothes back on. <laughs> it's Dale.
1: Yeah, they hate that shit. Yeah. <laughs> Why is it blue? I thought that's what you're supposed to do. Yeah. <laughs> I thought it was for everybody. That's right. Dude. It's showing off. <laughs> it's showing off. Yeah you know it is really cold yeah yeah it's cold outside
0: what's going on dude
1: you man same old same old it ain't me dude (laughs) it ain't me i'm
0: just in your presence i'm just
1: basking in your presence Ooh, you like santa claus full of presents yeah how about
0: that yeah how about that yeah man what
1: you got going on i don't know it's damn cold outside
0: man it's getting it's wintertime that's what it is i know
1: you love it i I I like the cold i'm ready to be bitching about it being hot
0: yeah and sweaty
2: and muggy (laughs) and
1: and sticky yeah a whole lot rather have that
2: yeah, okay. <laughs>
0: yeah,
1: you have a hot and sticky. Ooh. Speaking of. Uh, yeah,
0: we've got a good episode today, guys. Yeah, it's going to be good. Yep. You got anything to mention before we get started?
1: Yeah, hey, what do you think, man? You mentioned our, all our stuff, man. All right, well, first of all, I want to
0: mention our Facebook page, our Crack House Chronicle page, Then our we also have a fans of Crack House Chronicle page. So, you know, a lot of people may not know that we have two pages. Yeah, Two two of
1: them we got a lot of people on that fan page that are just kick ass yeah
0: they there's a lot of conversation going on a lot of fun stuff and talks about our cases and stuff so
1: yeah yeah, we like it that's right
0: and everybody go over to our instagram follow us there and follow us on our twitter
1: yeah ain't much coming on that twitter but we try
0: yeah and then you can follow us on our tiktok yeah we're trying on that
1: too yeah we're trying to be hip man
0: we're trying to be cool like that (laughs) Yep, and I want to remind everybody to go to our store page, get you some kind of merch.
1: That's where you can be really helpful.
0: And help support the crack house, help keep the lights on.
1: That's right. As you all know, we work hard through this mess, and anybody throwing no change.
0: Nope, and also, we do have a Patreon, and we're putting stuff on Patreon, and and about maybe other every other week, we're going to post our latest episode a day early for our patrons. Yeah. So they can have access to that before everybody else. Yeah, So. Cool. If you want to have access and then join up sign up and we'll drop some other stuff on there from time to time too so and you'll be helping support the crack house
1: yeah that's the most important part it You is. love us, right yeah it's a labor of love it really is yeah
0: so if you like what you hear and help support crack house then we will appreciate it
1: and we appreciate anybody who buys merch so we get a few dollars off of that not a lot but i mean every, every little bit happens and uh you know we can we always throw it right back into show like we buy you know we got new mics and boom stands and all that stuff so yeah it all goes right back in so it's all good
0: yeah it's good and we have a good time doing it and we love our fans ain't that the truth yep
1: yeah man appreciate y'all
0: all All right dude we are going to get started on this week's episode all right let's do it before we do it i'm going to tell you this one (laughs) we've had some cases that are some messed up stuff but this one is by far messed up
1: yeah yeah, when you first brought it up and you was like, well, it's about this and this. I'm like, mm, okay, that sounds okay, I guess. And then we started, started digging into it a little bit. I'm like, good Lord, <laughs> where is this going? It just keeps on going.
0: Yeah, and you can go down some rabbit holes on this thing. We're going to uh, try to avoid them rabbit holes. Yeah,
1: we're going to try to stay out of the holes as much as we can.
0: Yeah. But this one is so crazy and it's uh, really unsolved.
1: Yeah, kind of, sort of.
0: Kind of, sort of, yeah. But today we're talking about Robert Eric Wong. Wong, Just a little bit of background on Robert Wong. He is the oldest of two sons to parents William and Amy Wong. He was born on June 1st, 1971 in Brooklyn, New York. Mm -hmm. He is a fourth generation Chinese American. His great grandparents, Dale, they immigrated from China to the United States in the 1930s. Oh, cool. And the family lived in the New York area ever since, which is pretty dang cool. Yeah. Now, Robert, he was described as kind and competent, and he was a bright kid who made friends pretty easily. Very, very smart. What was crazy, too, about this guy, he was the kind of guy who would sneak out of his college dorm room at night to scrub school statues, get the like the bird poop off of them. <laughs> I mean,
1: he was just that kind of guy. Yeah, he was. I was just laughing because I was wondering what word you was going to use there. <laughs> yeah. Poop, <laughs> poop.
0: The bird poop, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And he was... Um, also, somebody who would put change into, like, random parking meters.
1: Yeah, trying to help a feller out. Yeah, so people wouldn't get a ticket. Just a, he just full of good deeds, man. Yeah, he was. Yeah. Just a good guy. Right.
0: And to describe Robert as being promising would be just like an understatement. Yeah. After being accepted as a top applicant to the College of William & Mary in Virginia, he worked as an aide to the president of the university.
1: Yeah, so I'm telling you, he's smart.
0: Yeah. And he had a clique of close friends, man. While in school he met a guy by the name of Joseph Price. Now this Joseph Price, he's gonna come into play a little bit later. Oh yeah. But we're gonna we're mentioning him right now too. Yeah,
1: he's gonna be. He's a buddy.
0: Yeah, and he was uh Joseph Price was an ambitious lawyer who was a lifelong friend of Robert's. And they even revamped a college campus secret society and it was called the Thirteen Club. Right. And what they did, Dale, was uh, acts of kindness.
1: Pretty cool. Yeah. Ain't many of those folks around.
0: No, they ain't. (laughs) So, this is just a little bit of background on Robert because just the kind of guy he is. He's just an all-around good guy. Yeah. Now, after graduating with his bachelor's degree in 1996, Robert went on to obtain a law degree from the University of Pennsylvania in 1999. And he landed a job with a prestigious law firm, Covington & Burling, and became a rising star within the Asian American legal
1: community. Right. He's very proud of his Chinese heritage.
0: He is. He's yeah. very proud of it. And I get it, too, man. That's yeah, pretty awesome. And there was a, a legal conference he went to in January of 2002. And this is where he met a young woman who would be his future wife. Right, And her name was Catherine Yu. Y-U. Yeah. And Catherine, or Kathy is she's known by and by friends and family she was the daughter of a korean immigrants and grew up in the chicago area Mm -hmm. now kathy had her own slate of academic achievements Uh, she was a promising lawyer yep and after this conference her and robert they started a long-term relationship that got serious pretty quick
1: yeah i mean as soon as they met you know they saw each other and then before they left the conference they actually he had talked to her and they went out for for dinner
0: yeah it was, just, it was described that she saw him at the conference and just i think saw him across the room and just was instantly attracted to
1: him yeah him and his uh, beautiful voice
0: yeah she said he had a beautiful beautiful <laughs> voice
1: yeah and so they got together pretty quick so then later on i think uh she actually had to uh had some business in washington and it was just happened to be on valentine's weekend. And then uh, so they decided to get together and they just changed a couple little gifts or whatever and he said uh, I think he gave her a note he said I'm not sure what uh where it goes from here but I sure like to find out if you're willing or something like that yeah I guess sort of so making it pretty a little, cool note you know a
0: little bit serious and making yeah. a commitment you know right. dating commitment I get it pretty cool yep yeah. yeah. but within a year Robert had proposed yes. and she moved to Washington DC and there they were wed in 2003 right and it was the beginning of a blissful and pretty loving marriage
1: yeah think about that Donnie. we know it this uh thing that he had uh asked her to go with his family on like a month-long trip to china and he was like dropping hints that he was going to propose but he never did even when they came back and said they got back and he was uh unloading the car and he was paying the taxi guy or whatever, and she started up the steps and went inside and then seen a, a string of rose petals, which led into big bouquets of roses, which led into a, a Tiffany engagement ring, and then a sterling silver uh, fortune cookie. Oh, yeah. So, really cool.
0: I think <laughs> the some, fortune cookie had in it, uh, Will You Marry Me? Yeah.
1: Yeah. So, uh, pretty cool dude. Yeah. He was thinking. Yeah, yeah. because yeah, I'm sure the whole time here in China, she was waiting for it, waiting for it, waiting for it, waiting for it. and then got yeah. back and was like, well, maybe not.
2: <laughs> yeah.
1: Pretty cool. Yeah,
0: so they were quite in love, no doubt about it. Yes. And by 2006, they had their careers mm-hmm. and friends and family that they cared for. Yep. and future was bright, man. Yeah, it was. Now, by early summer of 2006, Robert knew he wanted something more out of life, Dale. Mm-hmm. He was prospering as a young lawyer at the Covington Burling Law Firm in Washington, D.C., but his desire to be of service to his community was Pretty strong. It was overwhelming. Yeah, was he just the love doing random acts of kindness? Yeah,
1: in his uh, stuff for his community
0: philanthropy. That's yeah. what I was looking for. There you go. Yeah, but he told his wife Kathy that he wanted to do. He wanted to try for a position as the general counsel for Radio Free Asia. Mm-hmm. Now, this is a nonprofit American news organization, and they are aimed at supplying uncensored media content to underserved and oppressed communities in asia right which is a mouthful
1: so they can get the truth
0: yeah they're not i guess they're a little bit uh censored there maybe oh yeah definitely so yeah he's just trying to get information to them people there so like i said robert just trying to do the good thing yeah but this was going to be a big pay cut for robert yeah but i think kathy was making pretty well in her law career and she told him that they'll be just fine
1: yeah she said she was all in and she knew how much it meant to him and she told him, she said, "Look, I don't need to drive a Lexus. I'm fine with my Toyota or whatever she was driving. I think she was driving a Honda. Yeah, yeah.
0: But she had a good job as a healthcare with a healthcare consulting firm, so she was making pretty good money. Right. So she was helping. So they me.
1: ain't starving by no means. But. No.
0: And she was wanting <laughs> Robert to do what he wanted to do. And, yeah. Be and, happy. Exactly. Robert went through the interview process and landed the job. hmm And by early August, he was settling into his new role. Now, on August the second of two thousand six. Robert had made arrangements to stay overnight in Washington, D.C. Right. What it was, there was a a nighttime legal seminar that he was wanting to attend. He was pretty excited about attending Mm -hmm. it. And afterwards, he wanted to go back to the Radio Free Asia office and introduce himself to the second shift staff.
1: Yeah, all the nighttime folks.
0: Yeah. And him and Kathy had talked it over and both agreed that staying overnight in Washington, D.C. would be a lot easier than trying to make a long trip back to their home in oakton
1: virginia Yeah, i think which is like an hour yeah if you're driving so i'm not sure what it would be if you're taking public transit
0: so there was a friend of robert's that we mentioned before from college and kathy had also met this person too because i think he was a uh, attended their wedding oh yeah they did Yep, yeah. and they agreed to let him stay at his house this was joseph price
1: yeah he had asked an- another friend uh there was a lady first and uh she it wouldn't work out for them for the that night for him to be able to stay for them for some reason i don't know what the reason was but it just didn't work out so then this was his second choice yep yeah
0: but uh he was going to stay with joseph price at his house now joseph and robert met in college at william and mary yep and he graduated in 2003 and went on to get his law degree from the university of virginia and joseph price was very active in the gay community and he graduated from the University of Virginia and became the president of the Gay and Lesbian Alumni Association. Yes. And by 2006, he had made partner at Aaron Fox. This was a high-powered national law firm with offices in Washington, D.C., and life was going pretty good for him. Mm-hmm. Now, in addition to Joseph Price's career heights, he was also in a long-term committed relationship with a guy named Victor Zaborski. Yes. Now, this Victor, he was a senior marketing manager for Milk PEP, or Milk Processors Education Program. This was the people that made the Got Milk campaign yeah. back in the early 2000s. Yeah. So that's where that came from. Pretty cool, man. But these partners, uh, Joseph Price and Victor zborsky they had uh, fathered two sons with a lesbian couple, and but they seemed to be... Big pillars in the community, the gay community, that yeah. is, yeah, and everybody liked them. Yeah. And by 2004, they had brought a second man into their relationship, Dale. Mm-hmm. This was a guy by the name of Dylan Ward. So we're just telling you all this stuff because this is gonna, all this is gonna come into play here. In oh, a bit. yeah, all
1: of you got to know what's going on, man. Yep.
0: But they brought that other guy, Dylan Ward, into the relationship.
1: So like a threesome now.
0: Yeah, kind of sort of. And we're going to sort of explain this out too. Yeah. But Dylan Ward was a Georgetown graduate who sort of didn't know, I guess, didn't know what he wanted to do with his life. Right. He was bouncing around from career to career. But these three men moved into a $1.2 million townhome right near DuPont Circle there in Washington, D.C.
1: Yeah, which is now worth about $2.5 million Yeah, today. The value, yeah.
0: But these three men, they described themselves as a family. But they maintained a polyamorous relationship with one another. Been that Joe was considered the patriarch of the clan. Hmm. This was uh, Robert's friend. He was sort of like the father of the clan, I guess.
1: <laughs> yeah. The main man.
0: Yeah. But now, the three of these guys, they hosted Robert Wong's 30th birthday party back in 2004 mm-hmm. and shared a close friendship with both Robert and Kathy. And Joe and Victor had even gone to Robert and Kathy's wedding in 2003. Right. So when Robert brought up the possibility of staying in Joseph Price's townhouse on that evening yeah. of August second, two thousand six, Kathy really had no issue with it. I yeah. mean, she'd met him, she knew him. Yeah, so all friends. So it was all cool. Yeah. Now Robert and his wife Kathy they started their day on August the second just like any other day, Dale. Right. Now they got up and went to the gym that was near their home there in Oakton, before riding the metro together into Washington D.C. Oh. And before they left, they kissed and um, told each other they loved them, and went off their separate ways. Right. And when they both arrived at their offices, they emailed each other that day and let them know they were safe and safe and sound. Yeah, they, I think they've done this every day. Every day, yeah. Yeah,
1: just part of the part of the day.
0: Yep. Now after work, Robert grabbed a sandwich and headed to a continuing education legal seminar, which ended around 9:30 p.m. And he called Kathy while he was in the cab heading back to his office. This was where he was going to meet the night staff at the Radio Free Asia. Correct. And after that, he told her that he would hail a taxicab to take him to Joseph Price's house and then go to bed. And that was the last time that Kathy had ever heard Robert's voice. Mm. Yeah. At 12.06 a.m. the next morning, just a few minutes after midnight, Kathy got a phone call, Dale. Right. This was from Joseph Price, and he told Kathy, he said, I can't believe I'm calling you about this. You just need to go over to George Washington Hospital because Robert has been stabbed in the back. Wow. That'll wake you up. Yeah, that'll wake you up and get you out of bed quick. Kathy immediately called her in-laws. This was Robert's parents, and because they had just moved from Brooklyn down to Washington, D.C. area. Mm-hmm. and This would be
1: closer to them. Yeah
0: and Robert's brother was also in town on a visit.
1: Right, so everybody was there.
0: And the entire family rode over to George Washington Hospital, I guess expecting to find Robert in critical
1: condition. Yeah, you know, bad shape, or didn't, you know, from severe to critical, you never know. His stabbing might not be that bad.
0: But when they got there Robert was already dead. <laughs> so that's bad. Yeah, furthermore, he'd been stabbed in the chest and stomach and not in the back as Joe Price had said,
1: which is very odd. Yeah. Than
0: that. Yeah. And perhaps Kathy didn't think much of it at the time, but this was just the first in a long line of discrepancies that would eventually lead to this really bizarre and twisted murder investigation Mm -hmm. into the death of her husband, Robert.
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah. We're just getting started.
0: So we're just going to back up a little bit and tell you what happened on that night. Or try to. Yeah. Now, at 1149, the previous night, this is before Robert was killed. A 911 dispatcher in Washington, D.C. received a call from Victor Zaborski. He was the uh, boyfriend of Joseph Price, and he was at 1509 Swan Street Northwest. Right. And, Dale, he was pretty upset, crying, and he told the operator that they needed an ambulance at the
1: residence. Yeah, quick.
0: And he said that an intruder had been in his house and had stabbed a friend. Evidently. Evidently stabbed a friend. Who have been staying the night. Right. And, Dale, we've got that 911 yeah, call right it's, here. It's
1: kind of long, but I think you need to hear the, the whole thing. I think it's about seven minutes long. Right. And also, if you pay attention, when Victor calls, she keeps calling him ma'am because she is not, catch, not catching it. He's a, he's a guy. so And he doesn't correct her, so that's why she keeps saying ma'am.
0: Yeah, so that's part of that. So just pay attention for that. Right. All right, Dale, we've got that 911 call right here. We can do it.
3: D.C. Emergency 911 operator 6752. Do you need police, fire, or ambulance? need an ambulance. What's wrong, ma'am? We, just, uh, we had someone us in our house, evidently, and they stabbed somebody. Okay, somebody's inside the house now? I don't know. We heard... Are they bleeding? You see someone yes. bleeding. Someone is bleeding in our house. Okay, where's they bleeding from? Uh, I think he's... I think in the stomach. Ms. Tommy, is he conscious? Uh, Calm down for me. I'm going to send some help, okay? Female or male? It's a male. He's a friend of ours. He's spending the night with us. Okay, and who was the person that stabbed him? Do you know? Is he he conscious? We need an ambulance. Ma'am, listen to me. He's not conscious. He's not conscious at all? No. We need someone right now. Is he breathing? Listen listen to me. Calm down. I'm going to help you, okay? Is he breathing? I'm upstairs. And he's downstairs. I don't know. Okay, who's downstairs with him? My partner is downstairs with him right now. He told me to go upstairs and call the police immediately. I just went to the and. Okay, who's the person? Okay, I'm sending paramedics and the police. Okay, who's the person that stabbed him? I don't know. We think it's somebody with an intruder in the house. We heard the chime at the door. 15, ma'am, calm down. 1509 Swan Street, Northwest. am I correct? Yes, it is. yes. The person that says them she still in the home? I don't know.
2: Okay.
3: We got help in route, okay? Pardon me? We have help in route. Thank you. They're here. Mm-hmm they are en route to you now, I'm sending the police and the paramedics, okay, to assist. Okay, what I need you to do is go downstairs, okay? The place where, wherever he was stabbed at, I need you to get a dry cloth, okay? And just apply pressure to that area. If he was, wherever he was stabbed at on his body, I need you to take a towel downstairs while you're waiting for the paramedics to arrive and just apply pressure. Even if the rag or towel is saturated with blood, just get another towel and put it on top, but never lift the first towel off the area. Hold it on. Once it get filled up with blood, just put another towel on top of that, and just apply pressure until the paramedics arrive. Press with the yes. Paramedics the yes. With that, with in the heart. Yes. In the center of the chest. Okay. Is he breathing? Is he breathing?
2: We have help right now. Okay. <laughs>
3: you don't know who it was. No, don't hurt, don't hurt. Just, just, just like Okay, is he breathing? He's breathing, but he needs
2: help now.
3: Okay, we have help in route, ma'am, okay? We do have help in route. Okay, just go down there and try to tell your husband or your other um the other half to just try to keep him calm and talk to him, okay? Keep them calm and talk to them until someone gets there. Okay. And at the same time, get a dry cloth and just hold it right there in the area. My partner's holding, the okay, it, holding it, it on in. Okay, and once it gets saturated with blood to them, get another one. Go get another towel okay. so you can apply it on top of that one once it gets filled up with blood. Okay, we need well, we need you to apply pressure on that area. See, applying pressure right Okay, just hold it there until the paramedics get there. They should be pulling up any moment if They're already around to your location. You don't know who did this. We have no idea who did this. Is the door open so they can get in? We don't know how they got in. Okay, well I'm asking you now, is the door open so the paramedics can get in once they get here? What? Sorry. What were you saying? Is the door open so they can get in? Is okay. the door open so the so the paramedics can get in the home? I'm going to go down. Is so this a private home or apartment? It's it's a home. It's a home. That's 1309 Swan Street, North The person had one of our lives. The person that stabbed him ran out the door with a knife? I I think uh, Okay, anybody get any type of description of the person that came in the home? I have no idea. We have no description. We heard we heard the chime and and we heard the scream from our friend. Okay. And so we came running downstairs. We ran in So you both was upstairs and your friend was downstairs. Yes. You heard the door open and then you heard the scream. We didn't I didn't hear the door open until after the scream, and then we ran down the stairs and we heard we are we have an alarm and so the chime went off. Okay is the ambulance we really need the ambulance. okay they in wrong, they, they are they in wrong now ma'am. Go to the door they should be pulling up any moment okay? I'm afraid to get on the door. Okay, the person who's downstairs was the person that was assaulted? No, we're in the we're on the second floor. Okay. So somebody need to go and says open the door for the paramedics. You're not sure if that person's still in the home or not. I have no idea. Okay, we have paramedics in Rome, okay? What time is it? What time is it at the moment? Yes. Twenty three fifty four. It's eleven fifty four, ma'am. 1154. Yes. I mean I'll stay on the line with you. I will stay on the line till somebody gets here, okay? I won't hang up. We need them right now. I'm not hanging up but we need we need help now. Okay, they're in route, ma'am. They are in
2: route.
3: <sighs> Let me know when you hear the paramedics. Can you look out the window and see if you hear them coming? I'm, I'm looking out the window and I see nothing. I see nobody. Okay, it like forever, but they are in route, ma'am. They're coming. I miss here they are. Here they are. They're there. <laughs> I'm going downstairs. Okay, I'll stand the line with you till you open the door for a pair of minutes, okay? Help us. We have someone who's stabbed, they're on our second floor. Yeah. <laughs> what the hell is this? <laughs> what the this? Ma'am. No, uh, it's really an emergency. I mean, he's leaving. Please hurry. <laughs> Man, this will be okay.
2: I'm
0: serious. <laughs> All right, Dale, you can tell Victor is pretty upset.
1: Oh yeah, most yeah, definitely.
0: The crime. And I I can't imagine trying to I guess contain the situation there at home and trying to talk to the nine one one operator.
1: No, I'd be out of hell. Yeah.
0: I mean it it's just so much going on and it you know, first time I heard that call, you know, he was saying that. He was upstairs and they were downstairs with Robert.
2: Mm
1: -hmm.
0: But actually, Victor was on the third floor in the house. Right. And they were on the second floor. Right. Which was really downstairs from the third floor.
1: Now, this townhouse that they live in, it's not. It is big, but it's, you know, like you said, it's actually what almost, I guess, four floors if you count the basement. Yeah. But it's attached to buildings on side to side. It's like
0: a town row townhouse.
1: Yeah. I mean, around here, they don't have nothing like that. No, I'm just it, saying, there's like a row of buildings, and there's like, they're just all connected together. Yeah. Yeah, so there's not like a side yard or anything. I think they have a, some some type of backyard, but nothing on the sides. hmm There's just another building connected. Yeah.
0: Yeah, and they had a roommate. It was a a woman that lived in the basement, but she wasn't home. Right. She had been gone.
1: Yes, she had told him she wouldn't be home.
0: Yeah, so I can't imagine, you know, Victor. I get like I said, trying to maintain this situation and and talking to the nine one one operator. And but this house was a little over three thousand square feet. Yeah, pretty, pretty big, pretty big size house. Right. But Robert was on the second floor in a bedroom. Yes. At the top of the steps down the hallway, so Correct. he had to go up the steps and. Make a right turn and go down the hallway.
1: Yeah, because so the steps—if you come straight up the steps, it almost goes to the door of Dylan, Dillon. Dylan's bedroom. Dylan You would have to make a U-turn from the steps to go down the hall through the through a den. To the bedroom on the end of the hall.
0: Yep. Now the paramedics they arrived at eleven fifty four p.m. This was five minutes after Victor had placed the nine one one call. It's
1: pretty damn quick. Yeah, it's I very quick. Though. Now, when when you listen to that phone call, it seems like it's forever for them to get there, though. Yeah. I mean, I mean and I know that it, five minutes is, I guess, when you're in the middle of that, it just seems like it's taking hours.
0: Yep. But Victor was on the porch wearing a white terry cloth bathrobe, mm-hmm. and he was still on the phone with the 911 operator. Right. And he pleaded for them to help.
1: Yeah, you could hear him.
0: And he said the stabbing victim was on the second floor, and then he started to just cry yeah. uncontrollably. I guess he was just, I don't know, if help, glad help was there or what.
1: Yeah, he just was losing it.
0: But now the two paramedics that showed up, they were highly experienced, Dale. They, mm. Both of them together had 25 years ex-
1: combined experience. Yeah, and you'd think they'd seen everything you'd see.
0: Yeah. But what they found inside the house was really alarming to them. Yes. Usually when they responded to a stabbing or a, or a shooting, the occupants of the house were, I guess, screaming and... Freaking out, man. Yeah, and, and directing the paramedics to the victim. Yeah. But the people at this house, besides Victor appeared to be calm yeah and serene I mean they just didn't weren't excited it
1: was kind of weird Joseph and Dylan they were just you know well when they come upstairs and went about Dylan he just came out and he said something to him about what's going on and he just pointed down the hall and went back in his room yeah and he also had on a white terry cloth bathroom like he just showered
0: yeah just freshly showered right and the paramedics asked him what was going on but Mm -hmm. he didn't acknowledge them yeah Mm -mm. very weird
1: he just pointed down the hall
0: yeah And the paramedics continued down the hallway to this guest room where they found the body of 32-year-old Robert Wong laying on a fully-made pull-out sofa bed.
1: Yeah, sleeper sofa.
0: Yeah. No one was attempting to hold a towel over his stab wounds or anything. No. No. And his buddy there, Joseph Price, the one
1: that... He was just sitting there in his underwear.
0: Yeah, crazy. And the paramedics, again, asked what was going on. And Joseph simply replied without turning around that... He heard a scream.
1: Yeah, he said when he walked into it, it basically made the hair on the back of her neck stand up. It was because it was just so odd. When he got ready to check on Robert, he actually went the long way around the sleeper sofa, so he could keep an eye on, on Joseph. On Joseph, because he wasn't sure if he had something in his hand or not. But it was just so weird that they wanted to be able to, while they were tending to the victim, to keep an eye on him too to make sure nothing's going on. I get it. Yeah,
0: but Robert was found with his head lying on the pillow. With his hands down by his sides and his sleeping mouth guard, this was used to keep him from grinding his teeth at night. Right. It was snugly between his teeth. Right. Where it should be. He was wearing his mouth guard and he was wearing a gray William and Mary Mm t-shirt, university t-shirt. And he had been stabbed three times in the front of his torso through the shirt. Yes. And one of the paramedics described the heart wound as a gaping wound so big you could stick your finger in it hmm. and there was a knife with a slight smearing of blood on the blade sitting beside the bedside table and they sort of presumed this to be the murder weapon right now Robert had no pulse and the paramedics knew that he'd been dead for some time they performed an EKG on him and he was flatlined mm-hmm. they got nothing right and they transported him to the hospital where he was a officially pronounced dead at 12 25 a.m
1: but it was way before then yeah
0: okay now robert won had arrived at joseph price's house you know the one he shared with victor and dylan at 10 30 that night and by 12 25 the next morning august 3rd he was dead
1: yeah he was dead way before then huh? yeah 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 because that time of death stuff was like when my dad passed away we, we run into that and then uh we had to wait forever for somebody to show up and come in and check and then once they come in and showed up and then they checked and waited and then they go okay and then that was the official time mm-hmm. but anyway he had been passed away before you know? yeah so it's that's kind of the time of death thing is kind of sketchy all
0: right now we're going to try to piece all this together and, and tell everybody what is going on right here <laughs> now the Washington Police Department arrived on the scene before the paramedics had taken Robert to the hospital, and they noticed that the guest room was neat and orderly. They, actually, the whole house was very neat.
1: Yeah. Well, you kind of think that. I mean, there's just three guys living there, and yeah. probably everything's going to be pretty pristine, I would think. In and the upper, you know, they're all pretty um, wealthy. Yep. So,
0: and, But there was no sign of a struggle, and nothing was out of place. No. Robert's work clothes were neatly folded at the foot of the bed and his wallet. Two of them. Yeah, he actually carried two wallets. One was a dummy wallet.
1: Yeah. Just in case he got mugged. Yeah. Give him the, the one with a little bit of money in it and keep his good one.
0: Yep. And he also had his Blackberry, which was pretty popular back then. Yeah. And an expensive watch. They were lying undisturbed on the table nearby. Right. So if robbery had been a motive they wasn't taking that stuff
1: right most of it anyway
0: yeah now everything indicated to the investigators that there had been no struggle Mm, it's crazy and robert's pillow that he had his head on has had uh, the indentation of his head right that's it just like he laid his head down to go to sleep
1: just right then yeah Yeah. and he actually wasn't in he's laying on the bed like a. The comforter and the blanket were kind of pulled down at a 45 degree, but he was laying on top of it, so he just laying right on top of that with his head on the pillow. Like he's
0: just neatly placed there. Right. That's just weird. Yes. And there was a light blood smear that looked as though it had been intentionally wiped across the skin of his abdomen, and Robert...
1: Yeah, because there was very little blood at all.
0: Yeah, he had almost no blood on his body. Yeah, nowhere. And it was kind of odd for someone with two stab wounds to the stomach and one to the chest. One was right through the heart. And no blood. No blood. The, what was even stranger, except for the two small blood stains on the sheets below his body, there was almost no blood on the bed either. No. And like Dale said, the, the sheet was folded down like at a 45-degree angle. You know like how, you, how you do it to get in bed. Yeah. Just like you would see it like at a five-star hotel. And Robert was almost completely clean. Mm-hmm. And they said his body looked as though he'd just been showered and redressed and placed in the
1: bed. Placed in the bed, yeah. So it's all creepy.
0: Yeah, very creepy. Uh, the police also confirmed the knife on the bedside table came from a knife block in the kitchen, but they doubted it if it was the murder weapon.
1: Yeah, said it was a light smear of blood on the blade, but none on the cutting the cutting edge, mm-hmm. which was weird, and the size didn't didn't match up to the holes.
0: There were no cotton fibers from Robert's T-shirt on the knife.
1: Right, but there was some of the towel. Yeah, which would look like it. Had, well, that the according to what they said it looked like somebody had taken the towel and rubbed the blood from the towel to the knife mm-hmm. this is what it looked like
0: now the police they did discover a cutlery set in a cabinet in Dylan's bedroom yeah but now just tell you a little bit about that why somebody would have a, a cutlery set in their bedroom Dylan had uh went to school for
1: now he's the one who said you jump career career to career yeah he yeah.
0: Had, he went to school to be a chef at one time yes so his mother had bought him a cutlery set, so I would get why he would have a, a knife set in his room.
1: Yeah. Yep. Makes more sense when you know that.
0: But now this set was missing a four and a half inch knife, which would have been consistent with the depth of Robert's stab wounds. Mm-hmm. Now it was later confirmed that Dylan's mom had that knife. Yes. She'd kept that knife for some reason. She even brought it and had it examined, mm-hmm. and it was the knife missing from the cutlery set. Correct. So, it was like a a boning knife or something. Now, on the floor by the bed, police found a white cotton towel with three blood stains.
1: Yep. They said that was the towel that they used to hold on to pressure on the wound. Yeah, that's what they said. Yeah.
0: But the stains measured approximately two and one half by three inches.
1: Yeah, we got a picture of that. We'll post it.
0: And it was hardly the amount of blood you would expect.
1: No, it's nothing. I mean, especially stabbed through the heart. I cut my head shaving, man. Before I bled more than this, this is oh, crazy. Yeah. yeah,
0: and the stains look like ones you would find on a towel after wiping a blood off a knife. Yeah, nothing.
1: Yeah, it's crazy. Didn't make any sense at all.
0: But everything about the scene was wrong, and none of the forensic evidence matched with what the men were saying to the police. Dale. Right. So the police took the three men: Dylan Ward, Joseph Price, and Victor Zaborsky. To the police station and interviewed them all separately, but they all had the same story. Yep, they didn't waver from the story, and they said that Robert arrived at the home at around ten thirty p.m. by taxi. Yeah, and at that time, Victor had just returned home from a business trip and was already upstairs in bed watching a TV show called Project Runway.
1: Yeah, that was a good show.
0: And Dylan Ward and Joseph Price allegedly stood in the kitchen with Robert and drank some water and chatted for a few minutes before they sh- took Robert to his guest room. Yeah. Now, Joseph Price went to the third-floor master bedroom that he shared with Victor and went to bed. And Dillon said he went to his bedroom on the second floor shortly thereafter, read for about five minutes, and then took a sleeping pill and went to sleep. Right. And he said he heard Robert take a shower, in the hallway bathroom, then heard the guest room door close and latch. So I guess that was Robert going in there and going to bed.
1: Supposedly. Yeah. yeah.
0: After everyone went to sleep, Joseph Price and Victor Siborski, these were the two guys that shared a bedroom, Mm -hmm. they said they were were awakened by the door chime. Their (laughs) house had an alarm. So I guess, you know, when the door opened, it makes a little ding-ding, whatever, somebody coming in. Right. But they told the police they weren't concerned because they figured it was just their fourth roommate her name was Sarah, the one who right. was staying in the basement, was coming home. So, yeah,
1: which is kind of weird.
0: Yeah.
1: I'm telling you, if you, you, know, you know if you have an alarm system and you hear somebody's exterior door open, you're going to go check.
0: Oh, absolutely. You ain't
1: just going to take it for granted that somebody. You know, well, I guess she came home.
0: Yeah. <laughs> then they said they heard a series of low grunts or screams, which is not the same thing.
1: No, not even close.
0: And Joseph and Victor said... They jumped out of bed and ran down to the second floor where they found Robert's guest room door slightly open Mm -hmm. and him lying on the bed, bleeding from stab wounds. Right. And they said neither of them heard another door chime or anyone running down the stairs.
1: So either somebody came in or somebody went out, according to them.
0: True. Now, Joseph told Victor to go upstairs and call 911. And this is when uh, Joseph knelt beside Robert and tried to stop the bleeding, and he told the police he found the murder weapon lying on Robert's stomach and picked it up and placed it on the side table. Also, crazy, yeah. Also, Joseph told the police they might find his DNA on the knife because he moved it, but they might not find the real killer's DNA because he probably
1: used some gloves.
0: Yeah, <laughs> who, who just who just thinks of that?
1: Yeah, nobody, A lawyer. Yeah. Now,
0: Joseph also told police he didn't see Dylan Ward until after he had sent Victor upstairs to call 911. And Victor corroborated this by saying he didn't see Dylan when they initially found Robert, but that he had come out of his bedroom by the time he had came back downstairs on the phone with 911. Right. So, yeah. Yeah. Now, all three men agreed that an intruder must have come into the house and murdered Robert and suggested that the perpetrator might have climbed over the security fence behind the house. And Which entered, is
1: seven foot tall. Yeah, and
0: entered way. through the back door.
1: Into the back door.
0: Yeah, and they looked at this fence, and there was like uh, pollen and stuff on it, and none of it was disturbed.
1: Right, cobwebs or anything. You know, n- nothing was taken from the house. Yeah, there had... lots of expensive electronic equipment, you know, all over the place. Exactly. I mean, these guys all had money, so you know there's lots of cool stuff in here, and... Actually, so by their tail, the intruder would have to climb over a seven-foot fence, come in without disturbing any dust or pollen particles, (laughs) come in the back door, I guess either go to the kitchen and get a knife or bring a knife with him, and then go by everybody, climb up the steps, go by Dylan's room.
0: Now, these steps, Dale... Or wooden. They weren't carpeted. Right. So So they were a
1: little creaky. They would make noise. At least footsteps and creaky, you know. Yeah. So he would have to come up those steps, and the the head of the steps or top of the steps is right at Dylan's door. So he would have to go by there, sneak, turn around, and walk all the way to the other end of the hallway. To Robert's room. To Robert's room. Stab him three times and run back down the hall, back down the steps, and back out the back door. Yeah. Yeah. With only making the alarm go off once.
0: I know. Hmm. (laughs) Yeah, that, yeah, that's a that's a heck of a tale. That's a hell of a story. Yeah, but we're not done, people. Oh no, no. <laughs> now, police they brought in a, the cadaver dogs, and they were trained to locate evidence of blood and decaying body tissue, flesh. Yep. And other than the small amount of blood found on Robert's bed, tiny. Yeah, the only other trace of blood located in the house were found in the dryer lint trap on the second floor, right, and also near an outside drain. On the back patio and this was they were thinking someone had washed blood off themselves on the patio and then dried their clothes on the second floor
1: yeah well I guess that could happen but I mean we talked about this I mean how long it takes for anything to dry
0: oh it takes a week for clothes (laughs)
1: to dry in my house yeah (laughs) yeah especially if you want to hurry yeah and they didn't have that much time
0: Mm -mm. now according to a quote from official documents by all accounts and evidence Joseph Price, Victor Zaborski, and Dylan Ward have a very close relationship. And, oh, yeah, very and, close. Yeah, and clearly have the motive to preserve and protect the interest of one another.
1: Oh, yeah, definitely.
0: Now, like I said, they, were, they called themselves a family.
1: Yeah. Now, a trouble it, Yeah,
0: that's what they said. They were a trouble Yeah. And each of the men gave police information about their relationship to one another and the living arrangements there at 1509 Swan Street. And Victor told investigators that he and Joseph had been in a committed relationship for many many years. Yep. And they brought Dylan into the relationship about 4 years earlier. And Dylan was in a sexual relationship with Joseph but not Victor. Right. Now police they found a lot of BDSM items in Dylan's room. Yes. A lot of sex toys. Uh, shackles, gags, restraints, and all kinds of stuff. All kinds of sex toys. Yeah. And the men explained that Dylan and Joe were in a dominant-submissive sexual relationship, in which Dylan was the dominant and Joseph was the submissive.
1: Right. Said so they found you know lots of photos on the hard drive stuff to prove that it was actually a relationship going on and stuff they were doing.
0: Yeah. And they also found a device in the home, or actually in Dylan's room which they referred to as a milking machine, Dale. Right. And this was designed to be placed on a man's genitals and force him to ejaculate.
1: Yeah, it's so a aerostek, E-R-O-S-T-E-K-E-T-32-R.
0: You can say that again.
1: Yeah, no, I probably can't. But anyway, it was a some kind of an electro, electrostimulant uh, sexual machine. Yeah, supposed to... Yeah. Yeah, you can Google it and see what it is. You know what, what it is. Yeah.
0: You can put that on, everybody, you can put that in your Google history. Yeah. But this became especially pertinent to the police's theory about what had happened following the autopsy of Robert's body. Right. There was an autopsy done on Robert's body. Right. The day after he was stabbed on August the 3rd, and the medical examiner found three symmetrical stab wounds in Robert's torso and discovered a broken blood vessel. In his eye, mm-hmm. this was petechiae. But, and this is indicated that Robert had been smothered in addition to being stabbed. Right, and the examiner determined all the stab wounds had been made with the same knife, which is about four and a half inches. Right, and each wound was between four and five inches deep. So yeah, this was the the examiner was saying that the knife on the found at the murder scene was not. The one used to stab Robert. Right. Uh, but in addition to the knife ones, the examiner found several other strange things about Robert's body. They they yeah. noticed several needle marks on his neck, uh, his right foot, his left hand, and all had been inflicted before he died. Hmm. They also ran a routine drug scan, all of which came back negative. But unfortunately they didn't test for any paralytic agents right and none of robert's blood was preserved prior to his burial
1: yeah basically what they're saying is they used up everything that they had got on uh running bunches of drug tests
0: yep and that was it and there was no indication that robert had put up any kind of struggle like we said and there was no defensive wounds and anything on his hands arms or
1: legs right
0: it was though he was just laid there unmoving throughout the attack.
1: Yeah, and this is what makes them think. I mean, they went and they checked for, you know, all normal drugs and, you know, barbage with some meth and this and everything. But once they found this out, then they're thinking maybe it was uh, some kind of, like Dunk said, a paralytic agent. But once they started thinking this might be what it was, they had already used up all the, the, uh, the remaining blood that they had taken, so they couldn't run any more tests.
0: Yep. Now, the examiner, Dale, they also performed a rape kit on Robert's body. Right. And they swabbed his anus, the inside of his penis, his rectum, and his mouth.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Now, the lab found semen present in each cavity, even his anal cavity. Yes. But strangely, Dale, all of this semen belonged to Robert. It was his own semen. Did they didn't find any in his mouth, okay. but they found it all around his genital. <clears> throat>
1: throat> yeah, all the other places. And all it, the pelvic regions. Yeah. There. That's crazy. It is. Cra- well, it's even crazier. I mean, they found it, and then they found it that it's all his.
0: Mm-hmm. Mind-blowing. Now, based on the examiner's findings and limited evidence, police surmised that Robert was attacked, incapacitated, with some sort of paralytic drug, sexually assaulted, and stabbed to death on the night of August 2nd, And which was more troubling. The police found a gap in a timeline. There was a neighbor, like I said, these houses were attached to each other. Yeah. They were row houses. And there was a neighbor heard a scream come from the house while they were watching the nightly news. But they really couldn't point out the exact time, but they said the program they were watching was was on from 11 to 1130. Right. And Victor didn't place the 911 call until 1149. This is meaning that there was at least a 19-minute gap
1: between the scream and the call.
0: Yes. Hmm. So there was 19 minutes there. Something happened or...
1: But 19 minutes is not a lot of time. I mean, it is if you need to go call 911 and get somebody there. But, you know, if you're trying to do stuff, 19 minutes is not a lot of time.
0: Mm-mm. 19 minutes is a good bit of time if you want to get your story straight. Oh, yeah. Definitely. Yeah. Now, the problem was the police had no real evidence to point to... A Who
1: accident. committed a crime. Yeah. Yeah.
0: And these three guys were no longer cooperating, and they had hired attorneys right after their initial questioning.
1: Right. Well, they went in, and they, they did uh, cooperate at first. They answered questions. They gave them all their stories. They asked them for fingerprints and blood and DNA and or hair samples, and they did everything to ask. But as soon as that, that initial question was over, they was done.
0: They were done. Yeah. Yeah.
1: They loggered up, and that was it. You know, and really, that's really a smart thing. I mean, you look at it how you want to, but I mean, I know this was their friend, but, you know, still, that's the smart thing to do. But I guess that's why when you get a bunch of lawyers together, they're going to know the right things to do.
0: Yeah. Now, the day after the murder, the three guys, Joseph Price, Victor Zaborsky, and Dylan Ward, they all went to Robert's wife's house, Kathy's house, mm-hmm. to pay their respects to their friend's widow. They all grieved together, and Kathy had no idea how fishy their stories were. Right. Joseph even served
1: as a pallbearer. Yeah, he asked her to... I mean, she asked him to be one. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: But as more information came in and it became clear to the three men living at this address, they weren't telling everything they knew. And the distance between them sort of grew. I mean, they didn't Well, she was probably anything. getting
1: pissed off by yeah. that. I mean, going away today. I mean, none of this makes any sense.
0: The police released a statement saying they believed the crime scene had been altered.
1: Yeah, they thought they went in and cleaned it up and stuff.
0: And technicians were able to determine that the crime scene had been tampered with, including the area where the victim's body was located, had been cleaned. And said the document, which was first reported in the legal times. Hmm. So
1: so if you think about it, though, I mean, this is really, where did they have time to do all this stuff? 19 minutes. Yeah, because we know he didn't get there until what time, you say? 10.30. 10, 10.30. And even if it's an hour, even if something happened right off the bat when he walked in the door, yeah, you know, it's just it's just crazy how much stuff went on before this phone call.
0: I know, and there was a year passed, and they were still no closer to understanding the crime or learning who had killed Robert. No, heck no. But Kathy had retained an attorney. His name was Eric Holder, and
1: I've heard that name before.
0: Yeah, and he'd worked with Robert at his former law firm, and coincidentally later served as Barack Obama's attorney general. There you go. Yeah. And he held a press conference to commemorate the anniversary and try to get the investigation moving again.
1: Yeah. He tried to guilt trail, but it didn't work.
0: Holder also confronted the three guys directly. Yeah. He was quoted as saying, uh, this is, quote, for those at 1509 Swan Street where Robert was killed, you need to truly ask yourselves. Truly, truly ask yourselves. Have I provided the police with all the information, that might be relevant to the investigation of this crime. Only you, your conscience, and your God know the answer to that question. But that is the question you must ask yourself if you care about Robert, if you truly care about his family, if you care about Kathy, and come forward and share all the information that
1: you have. Yep, how much good did that do? Not a bit.
0: Okay, now by November of 2008, the Washington Prosecutor's Had had enough, Dale. Yep. They charged all three men with obstruction of justice. First Dylan, then Joseph, and then Zaborski. Right. And six six days later, on November twenty-fifth of two thousand eight, Kathy filed a twenty million dollar civil suit, alleging that her husband's three friends had done nothing to help him, and after he'd been stabbed, and instead spent the last moments of Robert's life covering up the crime.
2: Right.
1: She ain't lying.
0: Now, the criminal case went to trial about a year and a half later in the summer of 2010, and despite all the suspicious circumstantial evidence against the defendants, Judge Lynn Leibowitz said she didn't believe beyond a reasonable doubt that they had committed the obstruction of justice. Mm -hmm. She told the court that she absolutely believed that the three men all knew who killed Robert. But she ultimately acquitted them of the charges.
1: Well, it's like you said, safety in numbers, you know. And they all got their story straight and never changed it.
0: Yep. Yeah. And um, I'd heard a guy saying, too, I was watching something the other day about this. He said that if it had been one guy in the house and Robert murdered, that guy would have been convicted. Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah. But these three guys, they had their story straight.
1: Don't know who did what or how many did what or if they did anything. Yeah. But they, whatever that story was, they never it and never changed it. And, there you go, and that's all he ever said.
0: Yeah. And, I mean, the police went through this house. They tore it apart looking for stuff, man. Oh, yeah, it,
1: they took pieces of the house. Yeah,
0: took the walls out, the walls, the doors, the flooring. Yeah. Trying to find stuff. Yep.
1: You know, there was one thing where they went in and tried to find more blood with the test, but they did something that kind of botched the test. I wasn't sure exactly what a, what that was there, but whatever it was was not admittable in court, even though they did find more blood. It didn't say how much, but uh, something happened where they screwed up the test. Yeah. So, there you go.
0: Now, in August of 2011, Kathy settled her civil suit with the three men for an undisclosed amount. Right. And she explained her decision to the Washington Post. And she was quoted as saying, I am moving on. I want to spend the next 40 years of my life focusing on good. They can rot from the inside out from all the secrets they chose to keep. Yep. That's their choice. I chose to move on. Mm. And police, they don't have any concrete theory on who's responsible for Robert's murder. Nothing. But they have some suspicions. Mm-hmm. Now, there's some more to this right here. Now, Joseph's brother, he has a brother named Michael. He was a little bit famous for getting into trouble. This was three months after Robert's murder. Joe's townhouse was burglarized. Mm-hmm. And it was revealed that his brother Michael was one of the perpetrators. Yeah. But the charges were dropped, but the police looked into where Michael was the night of the murder. And it turned out Michael was taking some college courses at Montgomery College and missed the class he had scheduled the night of August 2nd, 2006. Hmm. Hmm. And acquaintances of the prices told the police that Joseph always tried to help his brother out of whatever kind of trouble he was in. And if Michael... Had assaulted and killed Robert Wong, it stands to reason that Joseph would alter the crime scene to keep Michael from going to prison. But no conclusive evidence exists to prove this. At right?
1: All. Yeah. There's no nothing to even says he was there.
0: Yeah. They have. Yeah. There's nothing there.
1: And even on the burglary, he he actually provided a key to somebody and hired somebody to go in and rob stuff, and they was going to split whatever they made out of it. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if he even had the balls to do that. So I definitely don't think he had nothing to do with this myself.
0: What do you think happened, Dale? I don't know. What do you think
1: happened to Robert? This whole thing blows my mind. And when once you try to figure out what's going on or how this happened, then there's another question that comes up like all the needle holes. You know, I mean, they say it was like a, some kind of ketamine was used, but there's nothing to prove that, you know. And if there was, why would he have needle holes all over him?
0: But it was also saying, too, that they even said uh, if it had been ketamine, they'd also. Claimed that they weren't drinking water that night. They might have had some wine, mm-hmm. and that wine and ketamine sort of react
1: together, right? And
0: makes it even more. It potent. could be lethal, yeah. Yeah, it could be lethal, yeah.
1: But I don't know. And then there's the the semen that's all over them And then I don't know. I've, we heard a lot of stuff, you know, researching this and talking about, you know, as far as maybe even them grabbing him and shooting him over the ketamine, and then strapping this thing on him to stimulate him and. It just blows my mind that even something like that would happen because they're all friends. It's not like this is, this is a group of people that went out and kidnapped some guy and just to do this kind of stuff, too.
0: This was their buddy.
1: Yeah, I mean, and, you know, and it's not really that far-fetched to think of people who would do stuff as because of the stuff we research every week. We know people, you know, it's usually like a, a guy doing it to women or whatever, but, you know, I'm sure this kind of stuff would happen. But not. It's usually not people who's been friends for, for years and years. You know, I know. he was just going there, and he'd only been there for an hour. So what would, what would happen? You know, for that, to, all this to, to happen, and then there's no blood. So this that one, part of it blows my mind too. Because you know, at first I was like, well, maybe he, he was just suffocated, and he died. Well, maybe they were. I don't know. Maybe they pulling some. Something, they went back to their old college ways. Maybe he wanted to have a little fun with the guys, you know. And something happened. They were doing some kind of erotic asphyxiation kind of stuff, and then he died, and then they stabbed him. But if that was true, why would he have his mouth guard in his mouth? Yeah. And then, and then where would the needle things come from? Or you was like, well, hey, check us out. We'll give you this. It's going to paralyze you, and then we'll strap you up to this thing, and it's a lot of fun. And then, and then I don't know, it's just... There's a lot of different ways you can look at it, but none of them make sense. Well, the whole damn story don't make sense, but I don't know. Yeah. I I'm, I'm just I'm baffled beyond baffled because it just it's so far-fetched to me that any of this could happen in such a little bit of time.
0: You know, I even researching this, I got to thinking about Joseph's brother Michael, you know, the one that broke into the house or got some people to break into the house. Yeah. Maybe he was there that night and Perhaps him and Dylan, they had a relationship that anybody knew about, and maybe they did it. That's why Dylan was sort of acting so nonchalant about it.
1: Right. Yeah, but what would he get out of it?
0: I don't know. I mean and, and then they maybe when Robert uh
1: Robert was a fairly small guy. He was only five foot something, maybe hundred and sixty pounds. So five foot it? four, I think what he yeah, was. So it's not far I mean it wouldn't take a whole lot to overpower him if these were bigger fellows. You know think they maybe
0: saying. maybe ambushed him coming out of the bathroom and shot him up with something and
1: I don't know. If he's gonna shoot him up, why all them holes? I mean, why would they take so much? I know, I don't just, know. I mean I don't know nothing about ketamine. I had to look it up and see what it was about or what it was. I don't know. Yeah,
0: it's just a strange case.
1: Yeah. I mean, you know, there's. you could think of a lot of different reasons why we'd have stuff on him, you know, being his own stuff. But I don't know. Just <laughs> that and the no blood. The no blood is just blows my mind. Yeah, it's
0: very little blood. We're going to post pictures <laughs> of this. You you guys ain't going to believe
1: no blood. Even even if he was already dead and they stabbed him. I mean, I know the heart paint pumping, but it still would... <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, you'd think some blood would leak out somewhere. Yeah, somewhere, you know. You know, and, and there was at one time when, I think was Joseph, when he first made his first statement, he said that they came downstairs and Robert was at the back door, had been stabbed and was bleeding, and they took him upstairs.
0: Carried him upstairs.
1: But they only said that like one time, and then, and then, then the story dropped. changed. they got then, dropped. Yeah, yeah, and it was never said again. Mm-hmm hell that would make more sense to me <laughs> you know that, that that happened and they brought him up there and laid him down and that's why there's no blood but where is all the blood i don't know this is a a crazy story with a lot of crazy stuff going on and it just blows my mind i would love to know what happened
0: but this story has been covered quite a bit but we wanted to do it too and try to keep it out there
1: well i'd never heard of it till you brought it to me and when you brought it to me it's like well of story. It's about this guy who went over to spend the night with some of his friends' house, and he got stabbed, and there's hardly any blood. And I'm like, ooh, that's kind of wild. So we got to checking into it, and then when I got into all the details, I'm like, holy shit, what is all this? You know, this with, you know, the sex machines, and I don't know. It just, uh, you know, and they said even if he was he was uh, paralyzed by the drugs, that the, the, the whatever the thing was called would still stimulate him, but I don't know if that's true or not. But yeah. why and why would you? I don't know. I don't know. Maybe that's just something they did. Maybe he, they said, "Hey, check us out," and he goes, "Okay, I'm down with that." And and then something happened. Maybe they give him too much ketamine, or like you said, where they forgot he was drinking wine, and then and then he passed away. And then they go, "Well, hell, we're all in trouble now. So we'll make up a story about an intruder and stab him a couple times." Yeah. But that's hell. That's that story's more ludicrous than anything else to me. But I guess it shows if you. If you get your shit together and everybody sticks together and don't say anything but that one statement and never change your mind, you can get out of some shit.
0: But they've all moved and, uh, but I think I think they're still together. I know uh, Joseph Price had changed his name to Joseph Anderson, mm-hmm. and Dylan had changed his name to Dylan Thomas. Mm-hmm. But Victor Zaborci kept his name.
1: Right. They moved to Florida. I think Miami. Yeah. And, think. and Victor's still with the same milk company. Yeah. And the other guys, I guess he's still a lawyer. Yeah, he's still doing uh, uh, law, and Dylan is doing like some kind of fitness. Yeah, yoga, yoga instructor. Yoga yeah, and fitness, or Pilates, and this kind of stuff. Yeah, but yeah, nobody's ever been brought to justice for this. No, no, what? they wouldn't. Never even a murder trial. No, nothing. They didn't have enough. No, all they did was try to get that you know obstruction of justice. Yeah. That's all they had. And, and they then, were acquitted they got, on that. They got acquitted on that. So Yeah. So, so there's, some, there's a lot of crazy shit went on in that one hour, but I don't know what it was.
0: Mm-hmm. But that is the story of Robert Eric Wolln. If anybody has any information or your thoughts, please comment. Yeah, we we'd want...
1: love to hear what you guys yeah, think about Yeah, let this. us
0: know. We're going to get out of here, bud. All right, let's roll. We want everyone to be safe. Please be careful and always be aware of your surroundings.
1: Because the next episode could be about you This is the, the crack, crack House, house Chronicles. chronicles.